Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Suicide Bombers. Suicide Bombers has released All for the Candy, an album that kicks it from top to bottom. And here is my interview with Suicide Bombers. Hello, my friend. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you great. Can you hear oh. me as well? Yeah, 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 perfect. This this works. Excellent. Cool. I tried to log on with my uh, computer as I have a better headset and microphone here than my beat up old iPhone. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'll tell you. You know, technology. You know, I'm 58, and then setting up the podcast alone, technology had me like, oh, how do I do this? <laughs> yeah. Four years ago, I was totally lost, and now. I'm telling artists, all right, well, if you can't log in, you do this, you do that. I've become this computer tech just by uh, doing this podcast. This IT expert. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, I just spilled. Okay, I'm I'm good. Well, I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. Yeah, cool. Thanks for contacting me. Uh, This this has been really cool. It seems like most of our other records... uh, we had to go out and really shop into use and, and work really hard for it. But uh, on the last record and even more so on this one, it's just people contacting me. I have, I've been doing podcasts every day this week. And next week I got some radio station in France where we've never been and stuff like this. So it's, it's really cool. This is, uh, as I keep telling people, this is kind of like the victory lap. You know, you worked really hard on, on the songs and the record and, and uh, I mean, not that we fight a lot, but there's a lot of, you know, everyone's really concentrated and focused, like for all, all the things. And then when, when it's finally out and people like the record, you can just have a few drinks and do the victory lap and just wave at people. <laughs> yes. And, you know, the great thing about it is, you know, I felt, I felt when I heard the album, I was like, man, this is so polished and so good from top to bottom. I mean, I cool. loved every track on the album, and the finish was just killer. Thank and, you. And I'm like, man, how did I not know of this band? So <laughs> I start, I'm going through the catalog. I'm just going crazy, and because I just kept going more after hearing it. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. No, we, we, it's our fifth record now. So we've been yeah. going for a while. Um, we got the first one out in 2012, and uh, we didn't do much publicly before the album release. Then I think we had like two concerts. So even if we were going some years before that, we kind of uh, say that we started in 2012, as that was the first public stuff. So. So we've been we've been going a while, you know, but I think we probably uh, probably something with the bad name or something. I have no clue, but we're we we get new fans all the time, and we get new outlets and stuff like this. But of course, there's no you know there's no headbangers ball that's going to pick us up at this time. So it's just you know guerrilla warfare on social media and stuff to get people to hear the band. I think sure and. Uh... It's a shame that MTV came to that. Yeah, I think so, too. 
I think so too. There, there's more music and there's probably more bands in the world than there's ever been, but there's so many that uh, it's, it's kind of difficult to navigate. And there's, uh, there's, there's really not a lot of outlets that kind of pick out the cream of the crop. You know, it used to be Headbangers Bowl. There used to be a lot of, at least in America, a lot of radio stations, but most sure. most of the radio stations now are just pre-programmed and they just have comedians who talk in between. There's not like there's not like the radio show anymore where this this guy with perfect taste picks out the best of this week's releases and stuff like this. It's it's just the same old stuff, you know. So yeah, and it's something that really resonate here, you know, the the metal and rock community in Ohio is very strong. Yeah. And and WMMS was uh, one of the forefronters of bringing that um, to cool. the area. And uh, to see them go to iHeartRadio and, you know, just become a part of the machine, it yeah. really hurts, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. That was a band that paid for Russia's demos in 1973. The WMMS did. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a different world now for sure. It's I mean it's easier. It's somehow or somewhat easier to get out there to people. You know, I mean, if you put like you put a you put your record on Spotify, and then potentially the whole world can hear it without without you having to ship thousands and thousands of CDs that go unsold in record stores all over the world, you know? So that's that's different. There's no money coming back from Spotify, but if if the people who like it also get CDs and and, and, and vital some of them, they, we can make more records than they do. So, <clears throat> and you have social media, which means that you can, uh, you can get out there and promote it if you go in groups and stuff like this, but there's also changes all the time, so you, uh, you're like you have no clue but for this one we have done a lot more interviews than we usually do and uh we we still got stuff lined up and we we booked a lot of of concerts around our home country of norway and we might be going on a european tour with two other norwegian bands but that isn't finalized yet we have somebody working uh, to try and get us on the Monsters of Rock cruise so I, I'm hoping that will happen but you never know that's still a little early and we're, of course, working on festivals and stuff, so we'll just see what happens. But we hope that we can get out there and play more and hopefully make it to the States or close to the States, at least. I wanted to ask you about the creative process for all the candy. Yeah. Um, how long did it take to put the material together? Ah, uh, that 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 took a while to be honest. I'm uh, uh, I'm not the most prolific writer. I'm I'm one of these people who walk around and they collect ideas. So I I will be out drinking, uh, I will I'll go go to the bathroom or something, and then all of a sudden I read something on the wall or come up with two lines and hum into my phone or. Um, I'm out walking or I'm just sitting around with a guitar coming up with stuff. And I collect like small pieces of song all the time like that. But when it's actually time to finish them, that's like pulling teeth for me. That's like, that, mm -hmm. that's just like, that's, that's like painting a house with a toothpick. You know, I'm just, sure. <laughs> I'm just it's just a lot of really fucking hard work. And I'm also one of these, I have friends who are songwriters as well. And, 
they will just write the song and then if they're not happy with it they write another one but i'm more of this writer that i i want if i have something that i think is a good idea i want this song to to reach its full potential so i sure I, i can't just leave it a bad song i will have to kind of like fix it and figure out what's wrong and of course that takes longer but then at least you know at least i i don't feel like i'm throwing ideas away so for this for this record i i uh, uh like usually i will just finish the songs that we need it's me and the bass player c slimmer writes uh writes the songs and so he did two and i did the other eight um and I will usually just finish the songs I need, but for this record, I I, I had a I had a baby girl just like before we released the other one, and I've been going through a divorce since then, uh, so so it's been a lot on my plate. So I just told the guys if I'm even gonna get started on this fucking record, I'm I'm just gonna have to finish the songs that are most complete from the get go. So they might not all go on the record, but. Uh, you can hear them in the drive and we'll we'll just have to make up our minds later. So we had 10 songs pretty early on and uh, me and the guitarist Stevie T's weren't really feeling it as an album, I think. We didn't talk about it, but it was just the way we looked at each other when we did some of the songs. And They were all great songs, but it didn't feel like a good enough Suicide Bombers record, kind of. So I, I, after a couple of rehearsals of being in doubt, I, I told the guys, I said, you know, uh, listen, I got three songs at home that are nearly completed. Uh, two of them are a hit single potential, and then the other one is, is, is really good too. And I think if we cut these three songs from the record and, uh, and add the three new ones, we will finally have like a great Sousa Palmer's record from this. So... They were a little unsure, and then I came back with uh, Video Drone 2049, Dynamite Playboys, and Tonight Belongs to Us, and I was just, then everyone was happy. <laughs> so so mm-hmm. it, it was a really long process, but uh, both me and Slim um, write songs, like we, we, we present complete demos to the band. Part of, part of it is because we, we both... Uh, like I, I don't, I don't just write chords and and vocal melodies. I kind of I write the guitar riffs. I write uh, drum patterns. It's not always that the, those stay in the song, but I, you know. So I do complete demos with drum programming. I play bass, all the guitars. I sing and do the backing vocals, and then I send it to the band. They learn it, and if if there's any need to like work on it, we do that at rehearsals. Uh, and it, cool thing with that as well is that you can you can write a song record it and just forget about it rather than to walk around and and have to remember a lot of details all the time and you might not you might not start rehearsing it for another month or or six months you know so so that's so that's the way we usually do it and then we learn it as the demo and then uh if anyone body has any ideas for stuff that we should try or fix or stuff like this we we have a rule that we try everything but uh, at the end of the day it's the songwriter who makes the decisions for for the final product so so we we have a good we have a good democracy with with a dictator (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to ask as well um you spoke um a bit on tonight belongs to us that is my favorite track on the album i wanted to ask if you could speak on that track 
Thanks. It's one of my favorite songs as well. I had the I have had the chorus of that song for quite a bit, and I really like I really like this get there. This this these two notes and the vocal melody on the chorus is is what what the exact thing that makes it special for me. Um, so I had a chorus since forever, and I was just like it just felt like the right time to finish the song. I tried several times before, but it I just couldn't come up with the the right stuff for it. So this time I actually had I had the chorus like lyrics melody and and the rhythm guitars and I came up with the the guitar riff that Stevie's playing that's kind of like um it's kind of like what what I usually call our Judas Priest or Motley Crue riffs you know early crew uh but it's it's a little more um and the other parts the the other parts are actually things I was working on for the for our previous record Murder Couture, and I remember mm. I remember when I wrote the title track for Murder Couture, I had like five different verses and a couple of different pre choruses going. So this the verse here is actually a, an early verse for a song called We Don't Negotiate with Terrorists, and the pre chorus is for Murder Couture. Uh, different melodies, of course, but it's I just put that all together it worked i came up with the guitar if i may wrote the middle eight and the uh, the intro and stuff was already there i think yeah that was another song i did that i just threw in there and then i uh, wrote I, I figured i wanted to make it like a, a love song or in reality it's a sex song but it's it's a little bit more uh I don't know, a little bit more love than some of the proper sex songs on the record. (laughs) (laughs) But I just like the melody, and I also think it has kind of like a grandiose feeling to it. And um, uh, I I do these wasp guitars in the chorus that I really like. I just hit the power chord while Stevie, the other guitar player, is doing most of the playing. Lyle Star, drummer, is banging on the drums, so I can just hit the power chord and I can point at the audience and go tonight belongs to us you and me uh, and that's that's really cool it was actually when you when you mentioned it like we re- released dynamite playboys as a pre-album single i think in october so we were supposed to do a launch single for this record uh when it was released a few weeks back uh, uh and tonight belongs to us was the obvious single choice the problem mm-hmm. The problem was that we were working on three music videos at the same time at that point, and and we we have shot all the band sequences for for tonight belongs to us and another song from a video that comes later, um, but we hadn't done the story part yet, and it's supposed to be uh, it's gonna be me and a girl and just some I have some loose ideas about it, uh, but we can't shoot that when there's as much snow in Oslo as there is now, so. And when we did the old for the candy video, we just figured we just release this first. This is a good song too, and we use the album set, and it it works. And just yeah, so that that's the reason that was the launch single. But it was supposed to be tonight belongs to us. And uh, I wanted to ask you um, about the title track. Yeah, did you have a working title for the album beforehand, or did you have the song beforehand? Cool. That's a great question, and I love answering it. Uh, the, the 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 weird thing with Suicide Bombers is that we the album title comes 
last and first with every second record. So the first album is called Criminal Record. We didn't have a title at all. And I, I just, in the end, I had to go through the lyrics of the songs. And I have, I have what's, I can't remember the lyric. I got, I got a criminal record. I got a criminal record for going crazy and an attitude that smells as a line from high on explosives. So that's, that's how we got criminal record. Then we were on the criminal record tour. And we, we sit, uh, I sit to share a room with the guitar player at the time, a guy called Lazy Leather. And we were watching a documentary about celebrity sex tapes, which were really, you know, Paris Hilton and all this. Mm-hmm. Were real. And, and I just looked at, at Lazy, I remember when we were watching that in a hotel room before a gig. And I said, that's the name of our new record. So we had the sex tapes title and concept before we had any songs. Then for the third album, it was the same again. It was just like we had all the songs. It was the last thing to go on there. And I was just like, let's just pick this song. We'll call it Suicide Idols. For Murder Couture, our previous record, I had the title and everything before I had any songs. And this time it was just pulling teeth again. We were there and just like, okay, so yeah, why don't we just call it All for the Candy? That's a pretty decent title isn't it and and from there on it just kind of blew out of proportions because the the thing we knew we wanted with this record was that we wanted to have different colors than just a black background and um and some color on the album title we wanted to we if, if we wanted to if we, if you place all our records like in stacks uh, at a merch stand or something and you go a few go a little bit away from it and watch it uh we have three black records and one blue record and we just figure we can't do another black one so we gotta we gotta do something else we want more colors uh so that that's the only thing we knew and i also knew that i wanted uh i wanted a little bit more depth to the picture this time i i i didn't want to me and the guy standing in line and just with a cool back backdrop i I figured right we do like on the sex tapes. That's the only one that's different. We have uh, we have a couch, and I just figured we we got to do some setup that's was looking at all of these old cool photo sessions. So I think it's Mark Weiss who had one with Motley Crue where they have some mirrors on the floor and stuff like this. Now it's just like let's just not all stand in line. Just like spread out a little bit. See what we can do. So that were the only two fixed IDs we had. And then came the title, just like from looking at the song titles. And then C Slim is, is really great at this. So he just said one day that uh, he had built the whole candy set that we had dreamed up and he did it for next to nothing, you know? And because props are always a cool idea to get some depth. So that's, that's basically what, what happened with it. But, um, but for the next record, the one after this, I all I have one song written, but I already have the album title, I already have the cover concept and everything. So it's every second record. Yeah, I just want to say I, I think it really fits for the band. Like it's it's this whole it's this whole thing of you know, like Alice in Wonderland with this big flowers and this stuff. And just if you imagine Alice in Candyland or Suicide Barbers in Candyland, it's it's like huge candies and and us living inside this. And of course, candies and metaphor for sex and drugs, mm-hmm. and rock and roll, whatever you know. It's just 
cool stuff so it's plus it's not that common you know i mean when when people saw the first pictures they thought we were doing a christmas album but now it makes more sense <laughs> right Sa santa doll coming down your chimney tonight you know <laughs> and I, I wanted to ask you if you could take me back in time and um take me to the beginning and how suicide bombers became a reality Sure. I was in a band called uh, Trash Can Darlings, which was more uh, more of a glamour punk band. I was the lead guitar player in that band, and we were like uh, we were like the Beach Boys on speed, you know, kind of like the Ramonesy, but still with a little bit of Hanoi rocks and I don't know. It mm. was um, red lipstick and stuff like this. And we we broke up in two thousand and eight. Uh, when the singer quit and we were all just a little tired and a little worn from from doing it year year in and year out and we had we had been going for so long that there was nobody who was going to pick us up and give us a break at anything we, we were touring i think we did 13 tours of europe and uh and we we got pretty big on the underground but it was just you know i, I wasn't prepared to get a new singer and stuff like this it, it had been mine and his band and and uh, also, I wanted to play more hard rock. So, so I started. I, I had the name Suicide Bombers from long, uh, and I wanted wanted it to be that. And I started the band with the guys from Trash Can Darlings, except the singer. So my original idea was that we go from like the New York Dolls to the Heartbreakers now, and it's uh, me and the other guitar player could um, trade singing or whatever, and then. But it, it, it just didn't feel, I mean, we were tired and we were worn and it just didn't feel like a new band. And I also knew that I needed kind of different players if I was going to do, if I was going to morph this thing into like, uh, like a little more hard rock with a little metal riffs and double bass drums here and there and stuff like this. And I, I so the, the trash can guys quit one after the other and that was we're still good friends but that was like the best thing that could happen probably i got a new bass uh, player a young guy who was really into the scene and this was this it was a few years after i mean i started this in probably 2009 but um but the, the Swedish kind of sleaze scene that was also all over Scandinavia was, was still kind of a thing. So you had young people coming in all the time. And I got this young bass player's place on the first record, uh, got the drummer, and we had a guitar player who we changed again a year later before before we got the one who's on the first album. And my my ideas were that I wanted to I wanted to um I always love this before you actually start the band when you just like sit there and dream up concert concepts and you get one guy after the other and you kind of throw ideas of it off each other and just like that that's probably the best time of being in a band before sure. it's a band <laughs> so so we were uh, throwing ideas around especially me and the bass player uh, at that point and I wanted to do all the things that got shot down in in Thrashcan Darlings and then some, you know. So, so I wanted to use this band name. I wanted to. Um, uh, I wanted. I wanted us to have titles like, like not just our names, but we we. Uh, I'm the Sleaze Fuhrer, which is kind of like a title reflecting on 
uh it's like i'm the ultimate rock and roll villain right and i'm the leader of the band and it's just it's it's, it's just kind of fits it's just a good tongue-in-cheek thing and everybody's sure. titles i wanted to have a grandiose intro to the record and an outro with over and motherfucking out and and um yeah just 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 a lot of stuff like this and then it, it just kind of all and i wanted to play hard rock of course and I, at the beginning, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I figured I, I, I'm i a little bit more of an Ace Frehley, Chuck Berry type of guitar player. And I figured uh, I'm going to have to get like somebody who can play this 80s technical lead style for this band. Or otherwise, it's not going to be very good hard rock. Um, so I thought I would just play rhythm guitar for a while. I just figured I'd just write the songs, look cool, play rhythm guitar, and I get a fresh young singer who can really sing, and uh, same with a lead guitar player. And, and then I started looking at the singers who were out there, and I just figured, you know, yeah, they can sing, but they're not really, they're not really frontmen, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean... yes. Without comparison, I, I like I like singers. I mean, there's a lot of great singers in the world, a lot of famous singers as well who are not really frontmen. They're kind of it's a little bit like the concert dies in between the songs. But I I like people like Dee Snider from Twisted Sister, Hank Hank von Hell from Turbo Negro. We're just like. It's all the concert is almost better sometimes when the song ends and they start talking. And I I wasn't. Sure. I wasn't going to do that, but I figured I'll at least, you know, I'll at least put the responsibility on myself to keep the audience entertained before we start doing the next song. Um, and I can do, I, I know I can do that, so I can just learn how to sing. <laughs> so that's, that's really what I did. So that was the start of the band. And also because I had been in, in Trash Can Darlings with not a lot of people have heard of in the States, but it was kind of like a, a local thing here. Uh, I knew that I didn't want to, I I didn't want to start playing concerts and then play gigs for two years and then release a record. I felt that I, I got, I somehow got to launch this band with an album. So we, we just spent all those years kind of like in, re- in rehearsal space. And, uh, and then we did two gigs and then we released, the record and that was kind of like the whole point so there was a it was a long way from starting this band or or the first thing in with the trash can guys in late 2008 until we finally got the album out in 2012 but we also changed members a lot in between there so yeah so that was the beginning and we stuck with it you know we we were uh yeah, we have, we have the intros and outros on every record now, and every member that's been a part of the band ha- has has a title that goes with their both their personality or their part in the band, and also who they are outside of the band. You know, so it's it's good fun. And I wanted to ask you, um, you spent a lot of time on the road. I wanted to ask you, if you could give me your favorite road story. Oh, there is, um, yeah, I have a lot of, my, my, my best road stories are probably not with Suicide Bombers and I wanted to, so, <laughs> really, I mean, Suicide Bombers has done one tour of Europe and mostly we played, uh, Norway. So of course, um, 
the crazier things happen when you're you're out like for, for longer stints than we are uh, at the moment. Um, but we had, I don't really know. I was in a punk band with a guy called Ronnie Purple who used pissed his pants a lot. <laughs> that was a, that was a funny thing. He he um, we we did it was Norwegian lyrics, but we did a we did a record called "Drug Free Days" or something would be the translation. And and uh, all the bookers in the country thought that we were we were like straight now not doing anything and not drinking and the only reason it was called out was because he was in jail where he couldn't drink so and he came to the photo shoot for a cover with a with a white designer suit uh looked like looked like fucking john john travolta or something like this you know and this guy's a punk you know it's a punk band so he, he stands there on the cover shoot with a white designer like he, I, he got it for half price, but it was still something like you know five hundred dollars or something. Yeah. And, and and then he uh, and I was just like, "Fuck, you look great, man!" And he was he was um, then he announces that he's gonna wear that suit for every concert of the tour, and he's not gonna wash it or fix it in between. So he's just gonna wear it and put it in this bag and then take it out again and I, I think the only thing that wasn't on this white suit at the end of the tour was probably shit you know he had pissed his pants he had puked all over it he hadn't spilt everything he ate and drank on the tour it burned a <laughs> hole and and, uh, and he, he gave it away to some fan at the end of the concert <laughs> so that was that was a good one we we have a lot lot of things like this but I, I can't I mean, the other guys are probably gonna kill me, but we, we, I can't come up with any really kind of like. There's, of course, there's parties all the time and stuff like this, but I, I and girls, but I can't really. No, don't have any suicide bombers ones at the moment. I gotta come up with this because a lot of people ask, so I gotta ask the rest of the band whatever I did. <laughs> I also wanted to ask you. Um, You've been in the business for a while now through uh, different stages. I wanted to ask on your vision on how you see the future of music and also the future of the music industry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying since, since I'm in it and, and, and working, I'm, I'm trying to stay positive. But um, I think the main like the main problem now is that the real there is, as I said earlier, there is no kind of like outlet that picks up the cream of the crop in each uh, genre. Uh, so it, it's a little more difficult to reach out to people. And also uh, online, online stuff doesn't really generate revenue and touring doesn't either and, uh, unless you're really big. So it's not like you can make your money playing concerts as all the fucking idiots say. And you can't really do that unless you're at least at our stage, you know? You gotta be, <laughs> and we can do that here probably. If we came to the States, we'd probably get paid shit, but we'd, we'd do it anyway. Uh, so they, they, they gotta come up with some way to like generate money to musicians, if you want professional musicians who who can who can make it at a young age and uh, and make a living from it, uh, they, they're gonna have to be paid some way or another from an early age, you know. And uh, and it's um, 
I know. I mean, most of the bands I like started out playing at a young age and they they broke when they were in their teens or early 20s and they've been musicians their whole lives you know if their career died in 1992 or something they might have done something different for a few years but but they go out tour and they they work in studios with producers who, who, who produce records for a living and there was a lot of producers like that whereas now it's more, more plugins and stuff like this because studios are closing down left and right so i think i i i it's it's some of the expenses of being in a band are cut like it's cheaper to record and uh, uh and um, cheaper to get your music out there through you know streaming and stuff like this but there there gotta be some some better way of making money than than selling vinyl and 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 cds because there's not all that many people who buy them anymore so i i have no clue i think uh, i think sooner or later it will uh, be something but but we're doing pretty good you know it's it's not like i'm, I'm i can't complain it's uh but i have i released my first i was on my first released recording in 1998 and i've I joined my first band in 1989, I think. So, so I've been I, I I've been in the business for long. I've been in the studio and just recorded on tape. And I I do notice that around the time that we released our first singles with Trash Can Darlings in '99 and 2000 and stuff like this, records were selling a lot. You know, you could you can you could easily shift like maybe. 3,000 records, 5,000. I'm not talking about us in general. I'm, I'm talking about some unknown artists here in Oslo, Norway, a country of 5 million people. I could easily sell like 3,000 or 5,000 records here because people bought a record if they liked the song. Whereas, whereas now only people who like records will buy the records. Those who just like the song will listen to it on streaming and you have bands like Kiss releasing 5,000 records, you know? So it's sure. yeah. So it's uh, it's it's kind of different, and and it's not that people are buying T-shirts because they're not buying albums. But what you can do is that you can, if people want to see you live, at least you can raise your concert tickets a little bit. But if they don't want to see you live, you can't do that. <laughs> so it's I have no clue. I I think I think somebody will come up with something smart. But I there's a documentary on YouTube called streaming and why it will never work and something like this and that's uh, look it up and go watch it anyone who wonders and that kind of explains streaming and why it will never work it will never work for a musician uh sure it will never generate money so whenever there's somebody who says this is a new streaming service geared more towards the artist it's bullshit it it can't right. work because the the bar the bar for the for the fee you pay to subscribe to this have already been set, and you can't really raise that to like a million dollars per person, and it's so it's it's not gonna happen. Sure, and you have me. I my podcast is through Spotify, so I know the the uh, ordeal of it all. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, four years ago, um, as you know, I've always done this as a labor of love. Yeah. You know, um, if you go through um, my site, I've done 100, 
156 interviews last year. Wow, that's cool. Um, all with uh, new releases because I I want to give bands that, that don't get the exposure that they need, the exposure that they need, that I feel that shows something, that they have something to give. Um, yeah, that's that's really why I heard cool. today. When yeah. I heard your album, I'm like, I need to get this out of here because this is a kick-ass album from top to bottom, and people need to hear this. You know, That's and I was so disgusted being in my age. You know, um, I was in high school during the '80s movement, the hair movement, and metal. Cool. And uh, when metal was uh, really the strongest as it was in popularity, it may not have been uh, really charted. You know, a lot of people think that the charts were actually owned by metal at the time. But if you go back at the charts, the stuff wasn't really charting, but it yeah. was maybe their ballads halls all over. Yeah. You know, the music, the metal music is the cream of the crop. The best musicians, I believe, are there. Mostly. And uh, and it disgusts me that a lot of uh, people of my generation think that uh Somehow metal fell off the map after the eighties and early nineties. Yeah. So I'm trying to bring that word that metal is alive and well. And uh it's there's if anything, it's stronger than it's ever been. Yeah. There's something it is, for everyone now. It is, you know, but it's I, I forgot to say this when he asked me earlier, but the 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 problem with there being less money in, in the industry at this point is that you uh, the major labels at this point uh, can't, they can only do like really, really safe investments. So what they'll do is that they'll find an entertainer who plays pop music or EDM and they'll have 50 songwriters make sure it's a hit. Whereas, sure. whereas in the past, there was so much money in the uh, in the business that they could have these artists like the, um, a little bit different since they mostly wrote their own songs, but they could have like a Michael Jackson who would be a big seller because the style of music he did was was for most people. But they could also spend a little bit of money on a couple of young guys called Motley Crue and a couple of young sure. guys called Wasp and stuff like this. And even if they didn't chart, they would like sell a lot of records. And if they did ballads like Poison, they would chart. And they would, uh, if they worked hard and had a good manager, they would probably be out, you know, playing the clubs on their first album, supporting some some bands who broke five years ago, maybe do a little bit of headlining in their home country for the second record and then support like bigger bands abroad. And then on the third record, they would be headlining arenas themselves and, and uh, selling shitloads of records. And, and, at, at a really young age and that's kind of like the thing but but at this at this point uh the record companies can't really do that and the record companies that are around that that cater to to rock and stuff like this are mostly just somebody's pet hobby project you know where sure. where basically what they do is that you still pay all the expenses nearly and they're they're basically just doing licensing deals with a with a fancy name, and and artists are giving their money away. And I would still write songs and and probably play live even if I didn't make money on it. But there's so many expenses that comes with being in a band as well. You know, like uh, if you're if you're touring, you need gas money, you need food, you need all of these kind of things. And if you wanna 
even if you can re record a lot at home for a record, you still need somebody proper to mix it, somebody to master it, you need to do a photo session for the cover, somebody to make the cover. And all of these things are kind of like, yeah. these things are paid for by our live concerts and the, the fans who buy CDs and, and, and records, and of course, T-shirts and stuff as well. And thank fuck we got enough of those, you know? Yeah, I... I... You know, going back to, I think I had 20 listeners four years ago, and I'm around 5,000 now. Very and cool. Every, and every time, you know, my numbers go up, Spotify raises their standard. So, in order for me to be monetized, they keep raising. Okay, well, you got one grand, we're going to monetize you. And then, oh, well, we're changing the standard, you're going to need uh, 3,000. Oh. And then you're going to need this. And so they find ways to make sure you don't get paid for what you do. Uh, can't you just use another platform or? Um, I've considered it. It's just that um, because of Spotify's uh, placement in the streaming industry, I'm afraid that if I dropped out of them and just sent them stuff that maybe, you know, my listeners would go down. Um, you know, and, happen. and uh, you know the whole thing for me is getting the word out i don't care if i make a dime i really don't no uh, no but still it's, it's just you know it's just it's just a shitty thing with it it's a you know we have a uh we have a uh not the same but a little bit of the same problem we have a, a good friend of mine called doug sheck has got um uh does the seed distribution in america through his company frontline entertainment uh so and he has like a big cartel store so if any american oh, want, okay. any americans want to buy our cds there and only pay domestic postage they can just just google frontline entertainment and big cartel and you'll find his store and he sells will ship it directly to them for a lot cheaper than ordering from europe uh but the thing is that a lot of people don't of course don't find this store they're they're using their discogs and ebays and stuff like this and he's on there as well but discogs and ebay keep doing this exactly the same as you said spotify do they keep raising the prices so he mailed me like frustrated as hell uh, last year and i think i think the total total revenue of a cd was down to like one dollar or something after all the all the fees and stuff had uh, gone away and i was like we, we can't do that man just <clears throat> just raise the prices to insane levels on ebay and discogs and post a picture with uh where you draw uh, the logo of your big cartel store or something just to move people over there we can't can't have people <laughs> doing this on, on eBay and Discogs anymore. Sure. But it's the same. It's the platforms people use. You know, nobody's on Google looking for our CDs. Uh, oh, sorry. Just, uh, uh, I got some nail polish in my throat, so I just... <laughs> uh, <laughs> better now. I wanted to ask you, um, when you're not working on music, what are some things that you enjoy in your spare time? Porn. 
<laughs> no, I, I used to work. It's it's only a half joke. I used to work in a porn store actually for ten years. So at the height of my career, I was ordering all the movies in all the categories for five stores in Norway, and I was quite good at picking the big sellers. But um, <laughs> now, what what I I have a I have a daughter uh, from a marriage that broke down, and uh, which I. I really enjoy spending time with her. Um, I, I, I like like to go out drinking with my friends. And um, what what the hell? Most of my life is actually music, like listening to music, talking about music, writing my old music stuff like this. I I, I recently started walking, uh, like like more like for longer and stuff like this. But it's it's not really an interest. It's just something I have to do to keep my head head on i think um so i'm really i I was one of these people who knew at a very early age that music was my passion and was the thing i wanted to do and it's it's not like i play chess or do something completely different as an interest like i i do i do music you know but there's a there's a difference because with my own like with my own music i will or if I'm working for somebody else on some music or stuff like this, it will be work listening. Like I, I like mm-hmm. now, now I can listen to our old records and even old for the candy and just just enjoy it like other people do. But most of the time, when you're working on something, you're you're looking for mistakes. You know, it's like buying sure. that it's like buying that vinyl record that has cracks and pops in it, a new record, and you just want to know where they are. So when you go back to the store and complain about it and get another one if they're being difficult you can say oh it's just at the beginning of that song or something so it's um yeah no i I really made a mess of that answer didn't i but i don't really have (laughs) many other interests lastly i wanted to ask you if you could give any message to your fans what would that message be I think uh, what I keep telling people now is just just follow us, you know, on social media and stuff like this. If if you if you do streaming, if you're you're obviously on Spotify, if if you're they're listening to your podcast, just if you like the band, if you check out the Suicide Bombers after, just just hit the follow button because that's that stuff is a lot more important than a lot of people will think and if you're if you want to follow us on social media we're like slash suicide barbers music on facebook and on youtube uh we have a lot of music videos out on youtube uh and we're suicide barbers official with underscores in between on instagram we're not on uh twitter x or or tiktok but we at least got those platforms and just just click follow there as well. If if you like the band and want to see us um, playing near you, that's that's the thing. And uh, also, thank you if you buy a physical product, any kind of physical product, because that's that's where we get our money from. And then I hope, hope most of all that if we play close to you, make sure you come out and see us. You know, it's it's yeah, especially if we're far away because we're not going to make it back anytime soon, probably. So, yeah, that's pretty much the thing. I hope I got, I, I wanted to be a little sober for this interview, and I'm too hyper, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to thank you um, 
one for taking time to speak with me and two for delivering an album that i enjoyed literally from top to bottom you truly have made a fan in me and i i couldn't wait to go and investigate your back catalog to check out your material excellent thank you man and thanks for having me on the show this is i really appreciate it it's it's like i said it's the victory lap just sitting here and talking about the band and, and everything is just good fun well thank you again my friend and you have a great rest of your day you too man have a good one all right cheers okay cheers I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.